Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you all. I'm glad you're here, that you chose to come and to worship with us uh, this morning. So I'd like to talk about prayer this morning. Um, And to lead into that, I want to talk about something you've probably heard me say, hopefully have heard me say multiple times, which is we want to be a church that is both grounded in the Word of God and led by the Spirit of God. We want to be a church that is both grounded in his word and led by his spirit. And it's, it's difficult, it seems, for churches to be both grounded in the word and led by the spirit of God simultaneously. Maybe, maybe you've been to a church before where you're like, they are really, they know the Bible. And yet, you wonder how much Bible is in them. You know, the Pharisees knew the Bible really, really well. But as far as the fruits of this, where's the peace? Where's the joy? Where's the love? Where's the, where's the, the bringing people in and, and inviting people and evangelism? Or maybe you've been to a church and they talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. But you don't hear a whole lot about the Bible. Um, and it can be a, a bit confusing. And you wonder, where is, where is the order? God is a God of, of order. We want to be a church that is both grounded in the word and led by the Spirit. And by God's grace, that's where we're going. So let's talk about those two phrases, grounded in the Word, led by the Spirit. We want to be a church grounded in the Word. A couple weeks ago, we were in Hebrews chapter 4, and we saw the author say that the Word of God is alive. It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and piercing to the point of division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word is alive and active. And as we dig into his word, we learn the truth about who God is, about who we are, about what what the purpose of life is about. And we find that not only are we digging into the word, but the word God is digging into us. It's alive. And we want his word as we're grounded in it, as we go back to it, as we hear it, as we read it, as we study it. We want to be so in the word that it affects our lives, that it influences us, that it impacts us. We want to be grounded in the word of God. We want to be guided by it. We want to hide his word in us, as the psalmist says in Psalm 119, that we may not sin against him. We want to be in the word because being in the word of God is how we get to know the God of the word. Being in the word of God is how we get to know the God of the word. And what we find in the word of God is that it's not just a list of rules and and commands and morality, but it's a story about God coming to rescue this world and his people. When the word became flesh, that's what the whole buildup of the Old Testament is about. When the word became flesh, when Jesus came for us to rescue this world and his people, and the, the story ends with the, the bride and the church saying, come, come back, Lord Jesus. It's about him. And when we see that, when we understand that, there's no going back. You've ever seen the movie The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis? You find out at the end, it's an old movie, so it's, spoiler, forget it. You find out at the end that he's dead. And every time you watch the movie after that, you don't forget that. Everything you see in the movie, you're like, oh, I know why that's happening, I know why. You, when, when you see, when God makes it clear that the word 
It's a story about Jesus, about God who has come for us. You can't unlearn that. You can't unsee that. You can't read Genesis and not think about Jesus. It's about him. And so we get to know God through his word. We want to be grounded in the word of God. Hearing the word of God can lead, as it says in Romans 10, 17, to salvation. Hearing comes, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And on the way to this final deliverance, we can become more like him as we dig into the treasure chest that is the word of God. Jesus said, Father, sanctify them. That means, sanctification means the process of becoming more like Christ. Sanctify them by your word, by the truth, sorry. (laughs) Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. It's digging into scripture. We want to be grounded in the word of God. And you're probably not surprised by that if you've you've been coming to Terra for any length of time. You see that on Sundays, what we do is we go to the Word. We teach it exegetically. Fancy word of book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We dig into the treasure chest that is the Word of God. And when there are messages that are more topical, I like to call them topa exegetical, because we're still going to be digging into the scripture when we do more of the occasional topical messages, or when we have a message like today, every three or four times a quarter we'll have a standalone type message where we, where we take a step um, to talk about something other than the book of the Bible that we're going through. Um, so we take the word very seriously. We want to be grounded in the word of God, but we also want to be led by the Spirit of God. We also want to be people that are led by his spirit. When we come together on Sundays as the church gathered, it is more than a glorified Bible study. We come together to study, to hear the word of God, but there's more that takes place than simply do you remember the main idea and the roadmap and how we tied it together. There's more than that. We are the people of God filled with the Spirit of God, and we want to be led by the Spirit of God. And Jesus, if we want to model him, was fully led by the Spirit of God in his life. Without measure, the Spirit of God poured out on Christ, and he was led by the Spirit of God with everything he did, with everything he said, his whole life. And it says in Romans 8 that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. As in all true, genuine believers are those who have the Spirit of God indwelling them. So we want our minds on him. We want to be led by the Spirit. It says in Romans 8, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. We're thinking about him. We're we're learning about him. We're seeing what he wants us to do and engage, how we engage with each other and with this world consistently. Our minds are on the things of the Spirit. And he enables us to do that through his presence in us. So, a little more practical maybe. What am I talking about? What does it mean to be a church on a Sunday who's, who's led by the Spirit of God? We're not only digging into the Word, but we're led by his Spirit. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, when you, when you look at when the Holy Spirit is brought up in Scripture, very, very often, what is, what is his role? What does he do? What does God the Holy Spirit do? He lifts up the name of Jesus. He shows us Jesus. 
And so when we come together as a church gathered on a Sunday and we're singing and we're listening uh, to the message, the Spirit of God in us directs our attention to Christ. He often, often does that. He helps us to get out of our own way and to be able to focus on him and do what Jesus said we would do. There are people coming, there's a time coming where people worship God in spirit and in truth. And God, the Holy Spirit, enables us to do that. So, we, we worship the Lord. What else might the Spirit lead us to do on a Sunday? Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, about God the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You may be here on a Sunday and the Holy Spirit of God may convict you of something in your life that he wants you to deal with not two weeks from now, not five days from now, but today. Remember a couple weeks ago? Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. There may be something he wants you to deal with today, something you said, something you did, something you didn't do, a lack of a, a relationship he wants you to address in your life. He may very well convict you of sin on a Sunday. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, hopefully at the end. A um, little personal story. So, he may do that. What else might happen as a church that's led by the Holy Spirit? Well, on a Sunday, you may be led by God to pray with somebody. Maybe somebody specific, somebody you know well. Maybe somebody you don't know especially well, that God is putting it on your heart to go and ask to pray with that person. Maybe they'll say no. That's fine, too. But he may lead you to to want to pray with somebody. What, What else? How about praying for the church in general? We have so many different prayer requests that we could be praying for as a church, and maybe God, this Holy Spirit, is leading you to pray for our church on a Sunday. Maybe the Holy Spirit will counsel you with a song, with a message, a conversation that you have. There's a decision you need to make in your life, big decision, small decision, and the Holy Spirit of God counsels us as we are at the church gathered. Maybe he'll counsel you on a Sunday. Maybe he'll comfort you on a Sunday where you're going through a difficult situation in your life and the Holy Spirit of God is comforting you as the church gathers together. Maybe he has something to encourage you or to empower you to go back and to to live a life of reaching out to other people who don't know the Lord, empowers you for evangelism. Maybe he's doing that in your heart on a Sunday. But these are some examples of how we can be a church that is both grounded in the word and led by the spirit of God. We want both, and by the grace of God, that's where we're going. So, we have, I've brought up a few times about having a post-service prayer ministry. And I think this is one of those steps. Some people might think of it as a massive step. Other people might think, that's a baby step. I don't care. It's still a step towards what I think is a good decision for our church to make when it comes to being a church who's led by the Spirit of God, to have the opportunity to pray with someone any Sunday that you want to. And so that's the direction that we're going. Some, some may ask, Pastor Tori, why are we starting a post-service prayer ministry now? And my response would be, why not? (laughs) Why why wouldn't we want to do that? Jesus said about the temple, my house is a house of prayer. Where's the temple now? Right here. We are the church of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's mystery here, John 14. Somehow the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all indwelling 
God's people. And we are a people of prayer. So we already have pre-service prayer. I don't know, maybe you didn't know that. 9.15 to 9.45, when you first walk in this building on the right, there's a group of people there almost every Sunday are praying. And you are more than welcome to join us, anybody, any Sunday, 9.15 to 9.45. You can make five minutes of it. Great, come in for five minutes and pray. We have pre-service prayer. We pray during the service. So why not let's have prayer, an expectation of prayer, after service as well. Why are we starting now? My response, why not? Some may ask, well, I'm in, I'm in a tribe, right? I'm in a life group of people that know me really well, and they, they know my story. They know what's going on in my life. I know I have the opportunity to pray with them this week, next week, when we get together. I'd say, great, please keep doing that. If you need prayer, though, on a Sunday, we are going to have the opportunity to pray together, to pray with someone, to receive prayer, to give prayer on Sunday as well. Sounds good to me. One other, one other point I want to mention here. I was thinking about the One Another miniseries that we did. Remember that? What does it mean to be citizens of God's kingdom? Right? What does it mean to be people that are part of the body of Christ, that are in the church? How do we interact? What do, how do we live? And so we looked at some examples of commands in the New Testament that God has given to the church of how we're to interact. And we looked at some of those commands. To love one another, right? To value each other and to be willing to work for each other's best interests. And that motivates all the other one another commands. We looked at loving one another, bearing one another's burdens, encouraging or exhorting one another, comforting one another. And we looked at some examples. They were not an exhaustive list, but here are some one another commands that God, that Jesus has given his church. And I was thinking about prayer. Do you know that although we didn't go to James and look at the command to pray with one another, that is one of the commands as well. And as I was thinking about prayer, I thought to myself, these commands, so loving each other, valuing each other, and willing to work for each other's best interest, comforting one another, encouraging and exhorting one another, bearing one another's burdens, how many of those are taking place simply by praying with someone? Right there. When you're praying with someone, you're bringing them into the presence of God. They might have a burden that they're sharing with you. There might be a word that you speak to them as you're talking to God that comforts them or that encourages them or exhorts them. Do you see? It's such a beautiful picture of what the church, what the body of Christ is called to be. It's always a good idea to pray. So let's pray with one another. Let's have an expectation on a Sunday that prayer is going to take place. And so one of the ways we're going to do that is by having a team of people that are ready to pray. And I have quite a bit more to say about that. And I want to talk about prayer quite a bit more. But to do that, I want you to hear not just from me, but from some, a few people that have been praying a little bit longer than I have. And so I've been talking with Gary and Nancy Schwartz, who I would love to come up here for a minute if they could come up here. They are the first two people that agreed to be on the post-service, on the post-service prayer team. And so they are officially part of the post-service prayer team. And we have a little round table discussion that we're gonna do, but we don't actually have a table. It's more of a, someone said this morning, it's more of a square tool, stool, square stool conversation uh, that we're gonna have, yeah. So, all right. 
So I have a few questions about prayer and talking with Gary and Nancy. I'd love to hear um, their perspective about prayer, their heart for prayer. And so I have some questions. I just wanted you guys to also hear um, their thoughts, their heart for prayer. And so we have some questions that we're going to work through together uh, for a little bit here. But I'd like to start, maybe, maybe a lot of you don't know Gary and Nancy Schwartz very well. And so I asked for them to share a few, just a few minutes uh, background for them, and then we'll jump into some of these questions, okay? Is it on? I'm not used to being up here. I put my gum in my mouth, I mean in my pocket. She says, don't chew gum in front of the people, which I normally do. I get nervous. Um, at any rate, Tori's a few minutes. Nance and I met in 1970. We were in college at the time. A college ministry was started on our campus in Brockport, New York. It was called Founders Christian Ministry. It's still going in some ways today. And it was called Founders because on the campus we say, he found us. That's how we witnessed. And really we saw an outbreak of Jesus on the Brockport campus, a secular campus back then. Ministry started jumping forward. We were part of a music group and it was about 75. We were asked to come here with, we had 21 of us come as a music group and we had we were through a local church downtown Schenectady we had an outreach on Friday nights for ministry uh, through music ministry through a restaurant it was sort of a coffee house thing and that went on for a while too since that time one of the uh, couple of the people went full-time ministry the the guy that founded Founders Christian Fellowship um, is celebrating 50 years of being a pastor this year he's still pastoring in the Rochester New York area so there's really history tradition there. And I was thinking about this real quickly. I grew up, so did Nance. I was in high school when the Time Magazine article came out, God is dead. You can look that up. It was 1966. Forward five years and you get that Time Magazine article, The Jesus Revolution. We were part of that in, on our Brockport campus. And in 1974, I believe it was, 12 of us, Part of the music ministry went out to California. We visited Chuck Smith's church, heard that mild-mannered preacher preach in his Church of the Way. Um, what a wonderful time that was. And I say that because I don't, we remember, we don't live in the past, but we remember the good things the Lord has done all these years. We've been part of Terra for nine years now, and as Tori said, we probably were lacking in our life being grounded in the Word, and we found that here. Uh, he's an eloquent preacher, but he preaches the word. So do all the pastors and elders here. So we've been richly blessed to be part of the congregation. And when Tori asked us to be a part of this, we said, we'd like to be members. I'm a guy that never prayed out loud. I was embarrassed. I can't pray like them. I'm not eloquent. But as time went on, I realized it's not me, but it's Christ in me, as we sang Galatians 2.20. So anyway, I think I've said enough. <laughs> I'm Nancy and I, I had the privilege of meeting more women on the retreat that was wonderful so um, I guess we had a, a lot of introduction to prayer but one of the biggest things I'll tell you a little bit about was we were invited by a church in New Orleans to come down during Katrina and to serve food uh, in a big tent and uh, 
also to walk around the crowd of people and pray. But every evening we spent, oh, at least two, three hours worshiping and praying together over the city of New Orleans. And we saw the devastation. I, I won't go into it. It was, let's say, it just looks, it looks like a, a war scene. But I had the privilege of living in an atmosphere of prayer for almost a week, and that really changed things. And it came down to especially one man who was sitting at the lunch table, and we had served everyone, and we were walking around, and I sat with him. And I said, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah, you can. And he told us me about his house. He lived near the broken levee. And when the water came, he couldn't get to his son, who was in the back bedroom. And his son was swept away, little guy. And I thought, man, Lord, I don't know how to pray. This is, this is hard. But, yeah, when you're led by the Spirit and you're quiet before him, the words came. And it was a privilege to pray and weep with this man. I had no clue about his whole life but that one part. And Jesus cared for him in his hour of need. So I guess that's where we're coming from um, about need here in the body. Okay, so I have a few questions that maybe some of you would uh, want to ask, and we're going to start with simply, if you had to say, what is prayer, how would you talk about what prayer is, and why might that be important for our church? Well, when you asked me this question, I thought about it. Volumes have been written, millennia have talked about prayer, books have been written, sermons, etc., praying people throughout the ages and I just put down I thought about it, it's simply communication with God and communication is, is both talking and hearing receiving so I thought about you mentioned John 14, Jesus said you're my friends he's friend closer than a brother he sent his Holy Spirit God the Father through Jesus, has saved us. And, and so when he calls us our friend, we have a friend that's closer than a brother, and we can go to him. And what do you do with a friend? You tell him the most intimate things. You, you have trust and hope. So we have a friend in Jesus. Um, and what is prayer? I would just say Jesus himself prayed. You know, he had his followers, his apostles, his disciples, and I'm sure the other rabbis had followers too that taught him to pray probably the Psalms but what did Jesus do he they said well how do we pray and he gives them the our father his prayer which we call the our father in Matthew 5 a model for us to pray um, and then it's just prayers throughout scripture I found a, a Genesis 4:22. so prayer started way back in Genesis it's in the heart of God almighty but it started in Genesis 4.22, and it says, As for Seth, to him was also born, um, excuse me, and as for Seth, to him was born uh, a son, and he named him Enosh. 
then man, men be call, began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's way back in Genesis 4.22. So all throughout Scripture, there's prayer. And, of course, Jesus prayed. Um, and I just finally add, end by saying prayer develops our relationship with God. And, and, and so when we pray for others, we're developing our relationship with him to learn to love him more, to serve him more, and then to serve others more. Thanks, Gary. And uh, when, when Anna and I were talking to you guys um, with your background, I knew in, in hearing your guys' heart for this next question, um, why might some be uncomfortable in our church? Why might some be uncomfortable with the idea of a post-service prayer ministry? So, and Gary gave me this question. He, he gave me all the tough questions. <laughs> Boy. Anyway. Um, so I, I thought about this and I prayed about it and, uh, hey, on this end of things, it's just as uncomfortable, you know, when you're praying for someone you don't know and you have that, um, you know, feeling like, oh God, you know, help me with this. And, and he does. So I looked at that framework to the Lord's prayer and I saw so many things jump out at me that, you know, after a lifetime of following the Lord um, to the degree and ability and strength that he's given us, um, it was refreshing to look at that again and say, wait a minute, he's saying that prayer connects us to the Father immediately. And then he goes on to list all the things that we struggle with, like um, the kingdom coming, and it may be salvation for someone in your family or somebody you know at work, okay? That his kingdom would come, uh, that his will would be done, that you're seeking him, but you don't know which way to turn. Is it this direction or that? Do I take this job or, or do I wait a little longer? It could be a provision, you know, our daily bread. You know, what, a, what about, you know, my finances? What are my children, am I able to provide? There's so many needs that are represented in general in the Lord's Prayer. And even down to something very personal about forgiving and forgiveness, that the two are connected, that we need to forgive as much as we acknowledge God forgives us. Remembering that kind of helps when there's someone who's offended us. So there are areas all through that prayer that I go, okay, if we're praying this prayer, we're all praying this prayer. We're all needing to say these words in our own specific stories. And it sure is good to have someone, like Tori was saying, bear one another's burdens this is, I, I can think of so many different ways, but here's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. That's good. Thanks, Nancy. Okay, uh, two more questions for you. So I am sure that there are people here who are frustrated with how often they have prayed and have not seen God answer that prayer. So my question is, how often should we ask God in prayer if it seems like he's not responding? 
Well, I thought about that one too, and uh, the first thing I thought of was Luke 18. I looked up where it was in Luke 18. I didn't know that, but uh, Luke 18 won the parable of the unjust judge. And Jesus himself said, I'm going to tell you a parable. Pray and never give up. And that unjust judge just didn't want to hear that woman's case. And this is a human judge. He was unjust. And she kept bugging him. And then he said, I'm going to give in to her requests because I don't want her bugging me anymore. That's not our Father in heaven. Our Father wants us to keep coming to him. I thought of 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Keep going in everything. Give thanks for the will of God in our lives. I thought of a, our original Bible teacher back in that church in 1969, and he was a missionary and et cetera, et cetera. He's with the Lord now, obviously. Um, but he prayed for his brother. He often would say for 40 years praying for the salvation of his own brother. And after 40 years, he was happy to announce his brother came to Jesus. So we don't always get the answers we want. There's, that's another whole subject, but we, we keep going. Um, and sometimes when we don't know how to pray, I'll just end on this one. Romans 8, well, I will, I will do one more thing. Romans 8, 26 and 27, in the same way the Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray sometimes, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for us. Finally, I thought of, uh, I love the hymns, and Joseph Scrivens wrote, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Um, This man was a young Irishman that was engaged to be married in Ireland, and the night before the wedding, his wife drowned. Within that year, he moved to Canada, spent the rest of his life in Canada. He got engaged again, but before he got married for the, sec- for the first time, he was engaged again. His, his fiancée got acutely ill and passed away. Two great tragedies in life. He then took a vow of poverty, and he, he reached out to the destitute and the poor for the rest of his life. He penned a lot of words. He loved... Jesus, he loved the scriptures, he was part of the Plymouth Brethren Church, and he wrote the words when his mother became acutely ill in Ireland, he had no money to go back to Ireland at this time, so he found out his mother was very, very gravely ill, she was elderly, so he penned the words that never became a, a hymn till later, and I'll just read those, why, why do we persist in prayer, where is it? I don't have it memorized, so I'm going to read it. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer, even though the answer isn't right there. We keep carrying it. Oh, what needless pain we we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble everywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend, that friend in Jesus, so faithful, who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield you. Do your friends 
Uh, I can't read my writing. But it says, take it to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gary. This next just, one. Huh? Th- yeah, next one is a little, could be a difficult one, so you should give it to Nancy. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We, we I'm just kidding. Alternating. Yeah, yeah. So what if someone asks, what's going to be the, for confidentiality purposes in prayer, how might you respond to someone about, can I, what, how can I, what will be our expectations when it comes to confidentiality? See what I mean? <laughs> so, confidentiality is a given. Um, no matter what your prayer need is, it's between the people that you go to that you um, want to know what's going on in your heart and your life. And if it's something that is um, something you don't feel safe quite with, then you have the pastor and the elders, okay? So there's, there's a, a safety net there. And the last part of it, I would say, the only time we would break um, confidence with someone is if we felt that they themselves were in danger that we needed help right away. That, and I recently ran across uh, a situation where that happened. Um, I volunteer with Compass Care, <laughs> and we had a situation, and we had to call in for backup, as they call it. So you know what I'm talking about. And uh, the very fact that we had the right people there, we recognized that um, we, we aren't going to cover everything and that there may be the resources that we need to recognize to lean back on trusted resources that uh, we need to identify and recognize and connect with so that the help that's needed in an emergency situation is there. Yeah, when, when Tori asked us to meet a couple times, I just want to throw out a uh, real thank you to Anna and to Nance. I mean, they were, they're invaluable and in, in to, to giving their help and informing something like this. And then Tori, we asked the question, well, if you're going to do this, it's part of a Sunday service, um, their, their spiritual oversight. So that's the protection between the pastors and the elders to take spiritual oversight over anything like this. Um, and that's very, very wonderful. Yeah that you're willing to do that. I have one last thing to share, too. Um, Sometimes in looking at this whole thing, you get a picture of it. And I don't know how long ago, a couple years ago, we had a uh, Christian guy who came and ministered to the children here. And uh, uh, he was marvelous. But he spoke that Sunday morning. And I remember when he dropped a clay pot on the floor right here. And he asked if, you know, your life felt like it was in pieces. And he called for prayer right then and there. And I was amazed. I mean, I would say at least close to half of us stood up and came forward. And I thought, no one should leave here on a a Sunday morning with a heart that's empty or broken. 
So we just want you to know we're, we're here for that. Yeah. If I could add a little bit to that. Um, the, first, the idea of exactly what you said about confidentiality, right? Um, I also want to mention, though, it's as easy as if you're, if you're praying with someone, you can ask them, is it okay if I share this with so-and-so? Like, I know this other person that might be able to connect something like that. So it's just ha like talking to the person about it as well. And then when you mentioned the people being in need of prayer, one thought that I had about this is maybe people might think, well, if people see me go over to the corner to be prayed with, what are they going to think? Are they going to think that I'm in a terrible spot in my life right now or fill in the blank? What are people going to think? And just to reinforce that idea, if you're worried about people thinking that you have problems in your life, welcome to humanity like everybody else. And the prayers, they may, they may very well be about when you ask to pray with someone about the church or about someone else in your life. Just let's not assume we know why people are praying and what they're praying for and with. And just don't be embarrassed to ask for prayer, to ask to pray, to pray with each other. Just wanted to mention that as well. But thank you very much, Gary and Nancy, mm -hmm. for coming up and, and just sharing heart for prayer. Just one more thing is that um, I, I, I so much appreciate, again, Tori and the pastors and elders to present us to a church and instead of just saying, well, we're going to have a prayer team, go over there and pray. Um, this is like to say the beginning. Tori organized some members that will meet afterwards, and I'm sure they're going to have questions. And just, I know you'll bear with the, the the pastors here and seeking the Lord every week like we do. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, a few more thoughts for you guys about post-service prayer. So I'll take care of that in a second. Um, <laughs> as far as um, being, a being a church that's both grounded in the word, led by the spirit, wanting to have the opportunity for people to pray, that's the holy corner for now after church if you want to receive, to receive prayer. We did think through a couple, a couple guidelines for long-term, any long-term ministry, things that I'm learning is you want to have Guidelines. You want to have a measure of order for the health of the church. And so here are a few guidelines for, for post-service prayer. Ideally, we would love to see people praying in groups of three. And there's a couple reasons for that. One is when, when three people are together praying, the third person there who's not currently praying with somebody can be praying, can be listening to God, can be, have the opportunity to start praying after the other person's done praying. It just, ideally, three seems like a good number. Does it have to be three? No, it could be five, it could be four, it could be two. But I, there's something about having three people praying together that we are going to encourage. Secondly, if it is, and I know this often happens naturally, but if it is just two people praying together, we're asking that ideally, men pray with men, women pray with women. If it is just two people. And we believe and we're convinced there is, there is wisdom in that. Now, are we going to go over if, if a man is praying with a woman, a woman's praying with a man, am I going to go over there and part the Red Sea and say, stop it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. These are, just, these are, these are guidelines that we're trying to set up for the, for the long-term health 
of the church. And there's, there's other many reasons for uh, some of these thoughts and ideals that we have, which you're more than welcome to come um, and talk about and share your thoughts. Two other thoughts. One, we are ha- in having a post-service prayer team, and ideally I'm hoping eventually we have 16 or so, like eight men, eight women on this prayer team. We want to have people that are ready and expecting to be praying, that are, that are on to pray with people. Because if we're asking like our tribe leaders, elders, and wives, you have to just be on and ready to pray with people every single week. That's a great idea to how to burn people out and have them not want to come. But So the idea of having people that are ready and knowing, I'm going to church, I'm going to be ready to pray with people, a team of people for that, excellent. That is not to discourage anybody else from praying. Okay? It's not a, well, those people pray, so I just, I never need to pray with anybody. Or Absolutely not. Like with anything else, we can, we're the, we, we can all participate and be part of. Just because someone has the gift of, of mercy, for example, doesn't mean you should never show mercy. And just because there's people that we are asking to be on a post-service prayer team doesn't mean that we don't want anyone who wants to, to get together and to pray with each other to do that. So don't be discouraged to not pray. And then finally... If you are asked, if you're on the post-service prayer team and you come here on a Sunday and you, you know that you were, you're on the team, you're going to be there to pray for people, maybe there's a Sunday where you're not in a good spot to do that right now. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you want to ask someone to pray for you. Or maybe you just simply just need to not <laughs> pray or receive prayer. That's fine. Let's help each other. We're the body of Christ. You don't have to be on all the time. And it, it doesn't need, this isn't just for non-leaders to pray and to be prayed with. We all need it. We all need each other and and dependency on the Lord and being led by the Spirit. So those are just a few additional thoughts I wanted to share about that. By God's grace, let us be a church that is grounded in the Word and led by the Spirit. By God's grace. So we're about to take communion. And as we take communion today, I want to share a little, just a little bit. One of the things I mentioned is that as we gather together as a church, the Spirit of God may convict you of something in your own heart that he wants you to deal with. And, and one, of the, one of the beautiful parts of, having, of celebrating communion every week is that we have the chance every week to check our hearts and say, is there something in my life that God wants me to address before I take communion? And there should be plenty of times on a Sunday where, all right, I'm not in the place right now to take communion because there's this, there's this relationship. I think God wants me to go and to, to talk to the person, to ask for forgiveness, to ex- fill in the blank. There's this sin that I know I'm not dealing with and I need to deal with it, so I'm not taking communion today. And so a little bit of transparency. The last, I've had a hard time forgiving somebody. So Pastor Tory's not taking communion today. Because my heart's, I know he wants me to deal with that. And this is something, it's, not, it's a long term, something a long time ago, but it's bothering me today and yesterday and the day before and the thought of justice and not the best for this other person in my, in my head and heart is I know something that God wants me to, to work with. So no communion for me today. And that's, that's okay. It's okay to have stuff in your life that God wants you to address and work with before you take communion. So we are, if you are a believer and you've 
You've confessed your sins. You believe in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You're simply part of the church. And there's, there's not something that God is specifically wanting you to address in your life. You are welcome. Come on up as we are about to in a, few, in a little bit. Take communion together and remember and celebrate his body broken, his blood shed for us on the cross. And with Easter coming up, with Resurrection Sunday coming up in one week, whatever you got to do this week to get your heart, your mind ready to... to to see, to be reminded of what Christ did for us on that Friday and the good news of his resurrection on Sunday. And part of our prayer, if you want to pray for something today, pray that our church a week from today when there are people probably coming that usually are not in service, maybe once or twice a year, that they would come to a place where they experience God and if they want to receive prayer after the service Sunday, that there's going to be people that are here and ready and excited to pray with them. If it's a team of people, if there's no team set up ready yet, that's fine. Just let's be a church that's looking and ready and eager to be both grounded in his word, learning, growing together, and also led by the spirit, living it, praying for each other. Let's pray. God, you are, you are so good. And Lord, we love your word. And God, we admit there's times that we don't love your word <laughs> and that we don't want to be looking and reading and hearing and understanding and addressing the lies that we've believed about ourselves, others, you. We don't always want to look to your word and be in your word, Lord. And forgive us of that and help us to see the treasure chest that it truly is, how you've shown who, who you are. Help us be grounded in your word. And God, help us be led by your spirit. Lord, I pray, I pray for myself and for anyone else here that if we are harboring bitterness and not wanting to forgive somebody, it just feels better not to. Would you remind us, especially this coming Friday, of the forgiveness that we that I have received from you. Help us see it for what it is, Lord. And then, Lord, enable us through your spirit to do what you've said, to forgive as we have been forgiven. Thank you, God. And Lord, I pray as, as your church comes up to take communion in just a little bit, for the joy of it, for the peace of it, for the goodness, the mercy, the grace that you have given so freely. May they receive it in joy, we pray. It's in your name we pray, amen.